0: Welcome to PesaPedia, brought to you by National Stock Exchange in collaboration with Bloomberg Quint. Pesapedia is an educational podcast series featuring industry experts to provide insights on investment tools that help you take well-informed financial decisions. Hi, I'm Anupam Gupta, B50 on Twitter, and in this episode of Pesapedia, we are decoding ETFs with our guest Kostub Belapurkar, Director of Fund Research, Morningstar. Kostub, welcome to this show. Uh, tell us something about yourself, your background, how you came up, uh, how you came about to be at Morningstar.
1: Thanks, Anupam. Uh, happy to be on the show. Just a quick background. I'm a I'm a 4G kid. Uh, okay. Uh, Travelled around the country while growing up. Uh, done my chemical engineering. I was very interested in numbers, so did my MBA in finance. And then I've been working with, you know, with a bunch of banks and wealth management outfits. And I've been with Morningstar for the last three and a half years. Morningstar is a global investment research firm. And clearly what we do and what we stand for is putting investors at the heart and center of whatever we do. So we do a lot of research on funds, equities uh, credit ratings and several other things and but you know investors are really the focal point of what we do.
0: Okay and the one thing that I keep on seeing quite often is the Morningstar rating for a mutual fund. Can mm-hmm. you tell us what exactly is that? Yeah.
1: So uh, the ratings are are two actually. One of them is a more backward looking rating which tells you how a fund has done uh, historically on a risk-adjusted return versus this peer group. Sure. And then there's a forward-looking analysis where we're kind of putting conviction levels on funds, saying what is the probability or how convinced are we that the fund can or has the wherewithal to continue to outperform uh, going forward.
0: Right. And and you have stars in the rating. So the That's more right. the stars, the the better the rating. That's right. right. Okay. So obviously, so then you've also looked at a lot of ETFs, lots of uh, uh, mutual fund schemes. So the first question that I want to ask is, at a conceptual level, what is an ETF? And how is that different from an index fund? Let's start from there. Sure. So an ETF uh, stands for an
1: exchange-traded fund. And, you know, as the name suggests, it's a fund that trades on the exchange. So if I'm an investor, essentially, I would not be subscribing to units as I would do in a typical mutual fund where I, you know, fill in a subscription form or do it online. Here I'm buying, you know, exchange ETF units on the exchange through my broker. Hmm. So that's, I mean, that's like the primary difference. Uh, ETFs could be multiple. They'll obviously, you know, either be investing in equities or gold or fixed income. Uh, I mean, there could be different asset classes.
0: Right. So if I've I've understood this correctly, uh, when you want to buy an ETF, you would probably call your broker or you would, if you have a brokerage account, you would just go online, check it up and buy it yourself. That's right. As compared to an index mutual fund where you would actually go to mutual funds, either you'd go to a website or you'll go to a distributor and then buy it from there. That's good. Okay. So next question is, what would be the cost? right because globally this entire debate on uh, on active versus passive is the real underlying factor is a cost so can we get an idea about the cost of an ETF versus the cost of an index mutual fund
1: sure so I think you've really hit the nail on the head in terms of costs. right mm-hmm. I mean the uh you know the engagement around globally has really been the focus has been costs. And India I think somewhere we're getting there. So if you look at the costs and if you look at a typical fund or a mutual fund or an index mutual fund, it's the expense ratio that is charged, you know, on, on an ongoing basis to the fund. In an ETF it's slightly different. It's made up of multiple components and I think it's very important for investors to acknowledge and understand this. Sure. So there's obviously a expense ratio that is charged to the ETF. Uh but what we've seen is, you know, the asset managers are moving towards a very low cost structure on the ETF because it's it, it, it's a passive portfolio, mm. finally. So, you know, most of the, the broad base indices, ETFs are in the region of 7 to 10 basis points. Mm. Some of the more commodity, you know, the slightly esoteric ones would probably be higher at 30-40 basis points
0: So when you say basis points that's 0.07% 0. 0.07% 0.
1: Sure. Okay. to about 0.1% okay. That's the expense ratio of the, what's being charged to the fund hmm. but When you're buying an ETF like we said you buy it through a broker hmm. So there's obviously an element of one is brokerage yes. which you would pay yeah. Now that would depend on the kind of account or understanding that you have with your broker and, and that can vary so that's something investors need to know hmm. And the third thing, and, you know, we'll probably talk a little in greater detail later, but is also the bid spread that comes on. Mm. So when you see, I mean, just to give you an example, if there is the price of the index was, say, $2,500, uh, you may, you know, you can potentially buy the index at slightly more than 2500 mm. and sell it at less than 2500 You know, the difference between that is the bid spread. So yes. you're paying a slight premium or a discount on, on either side. Yeah,
0: And that's against the NAV of an index mutual fund, which is just fixed there. Absolutely. Okay, so now I need to understand, right, because um, they also call ETFs trackers, right, because they're tracking an index. So what different types of ETFs are actually there, available on the National Stock Exchange as of now?
1: Okay, so... the whole concept of an ETF is basically, like you said, it tracks an index. Now, the index could be a broad based one, say, like the Nifty hmm. or the Sensex, or, you know, and these are the most popular ones that you have from an Indian context. Yeah. But you could have ETFs on different asset classes, for instance, uh, on gold. Now, gold ETFs is, you know, rather than holding physical gold, you buy a gold ETF that tracks the movement of the prices of gold. Yes. Or you can have a fixed income ETF. Yes. You know, say the ten-year benchmark or or liquid papers. So there are different times. Hmm. But even within equity, we spoke about the Nifty and the Sensex. You can have different different kinds of ETFs. You know, so for instance, uh, the Nifty hundred. Yes. Or you're getting something called uh, you know the the value index of yes. the Nifty, the value twenty. You know, which is buying into more value stocks. So there are different types. You can get a mid-cap ETF. Correct. You can get some international fund ETFs. So there's a Nasdaq 100 ETF that's listed Ooh, in India. Wow. Okay. There's a Hanseng, you know, the Hong Kong Exchange yeah. you know, ETF that's listed. So you do have options within that. Uh, but I would say the primary you know, investors right now, if you're looking at ETFs, obviously the largest amount of focus is towards the Nifty and the Sensex ETFs.
0: Okay. So if I've uh, got this right, um, an ETF tracks an index and an index is... Uh, is constituted of stocks. Yes. So just That's like you know, there is an uh, there there is an agency or a company that actually makes and develops an index. There is someone who is actually going to track that index, which is a mutual fund. So an index tracks stocks, right? My next question is for the ETF, uh, let's say that there is a rights issue, there's a bonus issue, there are dividends. How does that impact the ETF? Do I actually get dividends, say, for example, in a year? Or how 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 does that work? Yeah.
1: So traditionally, the whole model that, you know, when ETF, and like you said, it tracks the stock, right? So we're looking to build Exactly the same proportion of stocks as the index holds. So when HDFC is 10% in an index, it will buy 10% of the portfolio in an HDFC, and similarly build the entire index. Hmm. So when you have corporate actions, you have dividends. Hmm. Uh, you know because the the ETF is tracking a total return index now, uh, which is basically looking at price movement plus the dividends. Yes. So these dividends, the stock, what it's paying, it gets reinvested back into the ETF.
0: Hmm.
1: So it's it's money working for you, growing. Uh, that's I think that's very important. To okay, so
0: you may or may not get a dividend, but mostly going where past end, it looks like dividends are being reinvested by the ETF. That's okay. right. Okay. okay. Um, so an associated concept with that is, you know, liquidity and price movement okay things like tracking error because we know that uh, the total size of ETFs is really not that large in India the concept itself is still fairly new so what is the scene currently on these aspects like price movement liquidity and like you had said right the index might be at 2500 but the unit trading in the market could be I don't know 248 could be 255 also so just explain these concepts to us sure
1: so I I think very important thing to acknowledge Because the whole concept of ETF is that you want to buy, you know, it tracks the daily or rather the minute-by-minute movement of the index. The whole concept is that you can buy real-time values of the index, unlike a fund, where you will essentially get the end-of-day nav. And ETF, you know, the liquidity and the price becomes very, very important. And in India, let's be honest, it's an evolving situation right now. And the reason for that is because ETFs haven't really caught on from a retail investor perspective. Hmm. Uh, you know, the EPF was putting a lot of money into the Nifty and the Sensex ETFs, but that's institutional money that comes and just stays as it is.
0: And that's the government. So, if I remember correctly, the EPF was an employee provider and fund organization, that's which true. till recently was only investing in fixed income. And now they've opened up a small window for in, investing in equities. And by mandate, that means that my PF money is probably going to buy a Nifty ETF. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So,
1: and the reason why I'm bringing that out is because while the ETF sizes have grown, the retail participation is still quite minuscule. Mm. And why is retail participation important? It's because that's what provides a vibrant, you know, market for people to buy and sell at, you know, and at reasonable prices. So right now, you know, if you try to go to the exchange and buy, you may not get enough liquidity at most times. Uh, you know, the market, the there's a concept of market makers who will come and make mm. the liquidity available to you. But in an efficient market, ideally, a market maker's job is, it's almost, it's minimal in that yes, sense. Yes. You know, you'll have enough buyers and sellers. Uh, but obviously, I think we are some way away from that. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's like a chicken and egg situation, right? We, everyone needs to take that plunge into a passively managed ETF and then slowly, slowly, as the market grows, mm. it will become, uh, so yes, I, I think price discovery and liquidity is probably a little constrained right now. Right. But we expect that, you know, as the market grows, should should get a much a lot cleaner
0: as compared to global scenes where there are massive ETFs where there is absolutely no issue of these uh, of a mismatch between the NAV uh, and the traded price, tracking error. What exactly is this? Yeah.
1: So tracking error is basically the difference of the return of the index and that of the ETF which is tracking that index. Mm. Now, when I tell you that if you know there's an ETF that's tracking an index, I leave if the index is given 10 percent, you would expect the ETF to also give 10%. But there are different elements, right? So like we spoke about, there is there is obviously a little bit of an expense ratio that's involved. It's it's minimal, sure, but that's fine. Mm. But also what happens is, is you know, it's index lot creation, right? So if they're getting money at different points of time. If there's new subscriptions coming in directly to the set manager, mm. uh, he'll have to create those units and there could be a little bit of a, you know, where the money didn't get invested in that lot size. Sure. So tracking errors, basically the difference between the two. But, Obviously, you know, you would a good manager will minimize that impact as much as possible.
0: What's the range that we're talking about out here? Wide ranges, totally.
1: Typically, you wouldn't expect it to be more than fifty basis to a percent, okay. depending on the expense. Uh, but I, I think it'll, you know, it'll just trend lower. As okay. You
0: know. Okay. Last question and the most obvious one would be that you know, um, if I am an investor and I've recently started learning about ETFs, I've heard this podcast. What do I do next? What's the role of ETFs in my asset allocation. Sure. So I think
1: ETFs are something which are a very, very important cog in the
0: wheel for an investor. For instance,
1: you know, we know they're actively managed funds. They've been doing a good job. But if I'm a first-time investor and, you know, I just see this whole list of funds, plethora of funds, I don't know which one to choose. I don't know if this fund's going to continue to outperform. It's a little bit of a question mark. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and we've seen behavioral sciences have shown us that sometimes just too much choice ends up the investor not making a decision at all, which is actually counterproductive for him. Mm. ETF is a vehicle which is so brilliant. He can. He doesn't need to worry about what the fund manager is buying or is he holding cash or, you know, things like that. Is he overweight a sector? Mm. He, as long as he's got a long-term view, he believes that, okay, I want to invest in the equity markets. We all track the Nifty and the Sensex, right? This is a way that you can just get access to the Nifty and Sensex and, and, you know, and, and nice, simple lot sizes. Mm. You'll need to open a broking account. Get on and buy that through your broker and it's as simple as that.
0: Great. Kostub, thank you so much for joining us. Folks, that was Kostub Birapurkar, Director of Fund Research, Morningstar Investment Advisory, speaking on ETS. Thank you, folks, for listening to our podcast, Pesapedia, brought to you by National Stock Exchange in collaboration with Bloomberg Quint.
1: Hello, everybody. We have a brand new daily podcast we're working on with Bloomberg Quint. All You Need to Know provides the top news on business, markets, and the economy so that you can stay ahead of the curve. Tune in every morning on BloombergQuint.com, the IBM podcast app, or wherever you get your podcasts from.
0: Advertising is dead. Yep, you heard me right. Advertising is dead. We're all in the content business now. Let's not call it news, TV, radio, etc, etc. It's all content and we're in the middle of this weirdly exciting phase where all the borders and lines that have been drawn over decades has been swept away by this lovely thing called the internet. We're a show where we don't dwell on just the stuff that is now but rather the wider stuff about advertising, media, content and the whole goddamn circus surrounding it. Tune in every Tuesday for our weekly unboxing of the mystery box we used to call advertising. I'm Varun Dugirala, co-founder and content chief at The Glitch and this is my new podcast, Advertising is Dead.